0: Whether it's the Sherlock Holmes Tour in London, the night helicopter flight over Las Vegas, or whitewater rafting in the Grand Canyon, whatever you're into, you'll find an experience you love. Discover and book your next unforgettable travel experience at getyourguide.com.
2: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio... And producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear.
0: Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go.
2: AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game changing innovations with limited time deals on select next gen Alienware gaming tech.
3: Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. This is Julie Douglas, and I am vibrating the stereocilia in your ear. Robert is out this week with his son, who has undergone surgery and is doing well in recuperating. So we decided to rerun one of our favorite topics: hibernation and suspended animation. Now, whether this is the winter of your discontent and you'd like to look into the possibility of human hibernation, or you're planning on entering into a state of torpor for future travel to Mars, this is your podcast episode. Hope you enjoy
1: Julie, we are both warm blooded creatures. And uh, as we know, <laughs> warm warm bloodedness comes with a certain price. It's a high level of energy consumption. So uh, what do we what do we do if we don't have energy to consume to feed our bodies? Well you then take it down. Yeah or, or what well, we die. Uh, that's also yeah, a possibility. I, yeah. The idea behind hibernation itself is that you have to cut the cost. you have to spiral down like a like a business that has to lay off a bunch of people and close one of its stores to survive a recession. Mm-hmm. Or the example that always comes to my mind when I was younger and I was living in Tennessee, I found myself in a car a lot, and I would often listen to I think the guy's name was Dave Ramsey, who is this uh, kind of like local locally here in Atlanta, we have Clark Howard. Who's like the uh, the economic guru that tells you how to you know get out of credit and how to fine tune your financial right. situation? He's
3: wonderful, by the way.
1: Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he is. Uh, Clark Howard is wonderful. But I remember listening to the Dave Ramsey show at this point, and he was always advising people on how to get out of credit card debt. And he would say, "All right, you're just going to eat rice and beans for a year. Mm-hmm. That's what you're going to do. You can eat rice and beans and cancel cable. And that is kind of what hibernation is about. So <laughs> Our version,
3: at least. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's, it's about cutting down the, the energy consumption, cutting down the level of life that is being lived by the organism so that it can survive conditions that would otherwise be lethal.
3: Well, and I've actually read before, too, that there are certain places in the world before the advent of electricity and so on, technology that, say you were in Siberia, mm-hmm. winter comes and a family of five probably will have a sort of hibernation period. Of course, they're going to have food available to them that they've stocked away. But there's not a lot of reason to go outside for months. And it always reminds me of the Charlie and Chocolate Factory movie where you see the family, the entire family in the bed. Yeah. Because, you know, they're all trying to keep warm. It's winter. They're trying to conserve resources. So this idea of hibernation, at least in humans, yes, we, we don't completely close down our heartbeat, or I'm sure those people didn't back in the day in Siberia, but there's a version of it in which we have tried to batten down the hatches when it comes to energy consumption.
1: It sounds like uh, it's a great opportunity for board games and the family use of board games. Maybe that's why they have far better board games in Europe and all the great board games come out of Europe. I don't know.
3: I don't know. I mean, you would think like Siberia would... would...
1: Well, no. Well, no. No. (laughs) But
3: but let's, let's talk about these animals who do it right, who do it straight up.
1: Right. One of the most important things to realize is that hibernation is not sleep. In fact, according to zoo physiologist Brian Barnes, it's kind of the opposite of sleep. He argues that instead of a blissful slumber, because let's face it, sleep is pretty much the best, right? If you can, yeah. if you can actually achieve it, and you don't have any issues getting there, you're not plagued by nightmares in which dogs maul your face, <laughs> then or you're or you're back in college and you didn't know you had an exam, you mm. thought you'd cancel the class, all that. If you can actually achieve good old sleep, it's, it's the best, right?
3: Yeah, it's like being ensconced in a cozy, warm cloud,
1: right? So the idea of like, oh, this winter sucks. It'd be nice if I could just sleep through it and wake up when it's warm or oh. Uh, I really don't want to travel all the way across country. Wouldn't it be great if I could just go to sleep and wake up and be there? But Barnes argues that it's not like this. So hibernating squirrels, for example, would be stuck in something that would be more like months of insomnia. So it would feel like long stretches, he says, of icy stupor punctuated by short, costly naps. Like the idea here is that their energy level is down, their metabolism Mm -hmm. is down. Everything is taken down to the level to where sleep isn't even possible. They have to power things up a bit to actually sleep they have to start turning on the lights in the yeah, uh, abandoned yeah. wings of the hotel just to get to that level where the animal can rest
3: well isn't there I believe I read something to you about um, after bears come out of hibernation that there's a very long period where they have a sort of sleep hangover mm. and they it's almost like sleep deprivation same thing right? right like you not you're not necessarily having a nice big cozy sleep you're kind of coming out of the fog and re-entering yet another fog.
1: And it costs energy to, to come out of that. The ground squirrels, for example, they undergo cyclical rewarmings during mm-hmm. this um, hibernation process, and it costs more than 80% of the squirrels stored body fat to do that. Of course, it's worth noting, even though we're talking mostly about warm-blooded animals, and indeed we are warm-blooded animals, hibernation also occurs in reptiles, cold-blooded creatures, uh, mm-hmm. where it's called brumation. And it differs from mammalian hibernation because reptiles, again, are cold-blooded. They can't control their own body temperature. So they need to spend the winter in a place where they'll stay reasonably warm. It's not always a situation of something surviving at cold temperatures. Mm-hmm. There's also something called estivation, and this is where an animal enters a hibernation-like state uh, during the summer, uh, often in, in situations where there's less available water and moisture. To yeah, sustain right, because
3: Cons- conditions become really hot and dry. So that's in addition to maybe your food supply dwindling in that area mm-hmm. as well.
1: But for the most part... Hibernation, as we understand it, is considered a torpor state. It's basically an umbrella term to describe all the various types of temperature and metabolism-reducing functions that are involved in hibernation.
3: Yep, that's right. So think about torpor in terms of oxygen consumption, which can fall as low as 1% of resting metabolic rate and core body temperatures to near or below freezing temperatures.
1: Yeah, heart rate drops to as little as 2.5% of its usual level. A Chipmunks' heart rate slows to 5 beats per minute from the usual 200. Like you said, breathing rate drops by 50% to 100%, which is just crazy, 100%. So yeah, you have uh, reptiles out there that go through the entire hibernation period without breathing. Yeah. Yeah. And then in many cases, we're also talking, to about consciousness is greatly diminished. Mm-hmm. So even though this, um, for instance, the squirrel is in this weird insomnia state, uh, it, it doesn't mean it's just completely conscious either, So, which I don't think necessarily sweetens the deal. It's kind of this uncomfortable, semi-conscious state, which is a far cry from the, oh, I'm going to have a long winter's nap and wake up.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does kind of feel like, oh, man, I am trapped in this body. And I I don't get any of the great benefits here. Of course, you you know, we're anthropomorphizing a little bit here. Another thing that's happening is the body fat. Um, which we know is packed with energy, is burned off to provide energy that an animal needs to maintain levels of body functions. And this can be really efficient. Then we, again, we've got our Arctic ground squirrels, and they live entirely off of stored body fat for as long as uh, nine months.
1: Wow. So you have glands in the body that are altering the amounts of hormones that are released to control just about every uh, physiological aspect of hibernation. And, and when a, a mammal, a warm-blooded animal, enters hibernation, it's essentially becoming like a cold-blooded animal. It cranks down the temperature, but it has a set point in mind. And you can think of this like a, a setting on your thermostat, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say you're cutting energy consumption during the winter. You're only willing to let the house get so cold, because if you know if it gets colder than this set point, it's going to start getting uncomfortable, uh, and, and, and you'd rather not, not live that way. Right. So in this case... There's a set point because if things get much lower, the creature may not be able to live. So the set point will be there, and as things get colder, if it starts to drop below that set point, then the energy will crank up. It'll use some of those fat reserves to keep it at a tolerable level.
3: Right. So each animal has its own little thermostat, essentially. And you're probably wondering, what about defecation?
1: Oh, I was wondering that. Yes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, no fecal matter is produced because nothing is passing through the digestive tract. They shut the that
1: wing of the operation down. That's right. You know, it's costing um, too much money, using too much energy. We haven't got it. Shut it down. No pooping.
3: No pooping, but the body is always producing urea, which we know is a waste byproduct of urine. And hibernating animals' bodies are able to recycle the urea. Whoa. So that's that's pretty cool, right? Yeah. Because, you internal know, still suit. Yeah. I mean, have you ever, like, in the middle of the night said, man, I really don't want to get up and go to the bathroom? I mean, that would be a, a good feature.
1: I wish I could just, I mean, you know, do you actually try? You're like, let me just try and focus and,
3: and recycle my urine. stuff back up. Yeah, I do. I do. I try to lucid dream it. bears don't urinate at all in the winter but they break the urea down into amino acids and even though they don't drink any water they don't get dehydrated either they're able to extract enough water from their own body fat to stay hydrated and here's another really cool thing this is specific to black bears they have a unique feature in that they actually continue to reform bones by keeping their calcium levels calibrated in their blood levels and researchers believe that it's the secretion of a hormone called called and that's the reason why the calcium is recycled. And there are a bunch of clinical trials in which they are using the human version of that hormone, and giving it to patients with osteoporosis. So that's, that's like something that they're trying to crack there with those black bears. Like, why in the world would they be actually forming new bone while they are hibernating?
1: Yeah, they're not atrophying or anything.
3: Right, you know? right. I mean, think about ourselves. I think if we've ever been waylaid by something and you're in the hospital for two weeks with a cast on, your body loses bone and calcium. So, Yeah. Just from that little bit of atrophy.
1: You have other species that basically enter this torpor state on a daily basis, which has always uh, amazed me. Um, hummingbirds, for example, mm-hmm. like hummingbirds are are huge energy users. We've discussed before, I think, just just how much energy a hummingbird uses, and and that's why flapping wings are really not that that economic of a system. Mm-hmm. But uh, nature cannot make a propeller, so. It's stuck with flapping wings.
3: Yeah, the car Humming- beats, but it's like 1,200 beats per second.
1: Yeah, it, it, crazy. it's insane because they have to use an immense amount of energy. And if they can't get the energy they need on a daily basis, they will just shut it down every day for mm-hmm. a little bit. So they'll shut things down, like temperature will drop 50% in a, in a hummingbird on a regular basis just to maintain. Think of it as a business, as a energy consumption has become more of an issue you have various buildings that will say uh, on weekends only have a certain portion of the office that is air conditioned Mm -hmm. and if you're coming into work on the weekend you need to relocate to a certain portion of the building every day even it's saying all right well during this time we're going to have to shut it down a little because we cannot maintain the energy costs involved in keeping this level of consumption up minute to minute
3: that is an incredible ability to have and you know, I was joking, saying that we were morphizing this, but we can't help but to project our own ideas onto this and say, could, could we actually harness this for ourselves? And uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll talk about this possibility of humans hibernating.
2: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022
4: Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today.
1: All right, we're back. So human hibernation. There are two huge areas where we could use this. One, of course, is space travel. Because space is huge, takes a long time to get anywhere. With our current understanding of how physics work and how uh, space propulsion can work. There are various shortcuts in mind. But for the most part, we're looking at long travels. Travels, in, in most cases, that are longer than the span of, of a human lifetime. So is there a way to suspend animation? Is there a way to shut things down and preserve human life across these vast distances? Because, again, it's not only a situation of like, oh, I don't want to sit there and play tic-tac-toes for uh, you know the length of a journey again hopefully they would have some quality european board games aboard that spaceship right. but uh, but then also do we have the energy required and the resources to keep people engaged in an everyday level of activity in life over the course of a long voyage cheaper better to turn them into low energy cargo mm-hmm. for that uh, duration the other huge area of course is healthcare all right so we have right. uh, somebody who has a disease that cannot yet be cured or an injury that needs to be addressed. Say someone's injured out in the middle of nowhere and you Mm -hmm. need to get them to a quality medical facility, and it's going to be a day's journey or or more. Mm -hmm. If you could put them in a hibernated state, then potentially you could take this low-energy cargo, move it to the uh, facility where they can actually treat the injury, and take care of things there.
3: Another example is, uh, say, someone suffered oxygen starvation to the brain through a stroke or a heart attack. They could actually be put into the suspended animation and lower their oxygen demand and prevent brain damage.
1: Right. Time is of the essence uh, in, in these situations. So if you could shut things down and sort of contain the situation just long enough to get in there and do something about it, then, then that would be huge. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where one of the ideas is very far-reaching and super future of mankind and, and our most cosmic visions, and the other is every day, people having strokes every day, and, and what could we do to mitigate that?
3: Yeah, and, and at the crux of this is... Our metabolic rate right our basal metabolic Mm -hmm. rate which is pretty standard in humans we don't have these tip-offs and our circadian rhythms to say hey guess what we're taking it down to the studs today go in your cave um we're pretty regular when it comes to our basal metabolic rate unless you're like a super yogi right and you can you can tinker with it a bit you could you know do some parlor tricks and Uh, Pretend you were dead for 18 hours or something, when in fact you were not, but you had, again, taken down your breathing and your heart rate. Okay, so beyond a yogi, what are we thinking about here?
1: Well, they're basically looking at ways to either use temperature or chemicals to force a hibernative state Mm -hmm. on human beings. And we are certainly not there yet, but, uh, but a number of experiments have been conducted. Mostly these are involving animals, and we're looking at ways... All right, can we take animals, either hibernating animals or non-hibernating animals, tinker with them, either with temperature or chemicals, and force a hibernated state? Biologists at the Institute of Arctic Biology in Fairbanks, Alaska, are particularly interested in this. They do a lot of inquiries into how Arctic ground squirrels behave and Mm -hmm. how they hibernate. They point out that Arctic ground squirrels, like us, like all animals, produce a molecule called adenosine, Mm -hmm. which slows nerve cell activities. So when a squirrel begins to hibernate... Even when you or I feel drowsy, right. that's what it is. That's what's going on. So, they devised a number of experiments where they took non hibernating Arctic ground squirrels and they gave them a substance that stimulated adenosine receptors in the brain. And then they also gave a substance similar to caffeine to arouse other squirrels. And I mean, to rouse them from their, not to.
3: Yeah, Yeah,
1: not to arouse them sexually. Mm -hmm. So in the same way that adenosine is involved in that drowsy feeling you're getting, we're also counteracting it when we run for that cup of coffee or that disgusting energy. That's right. I mean,
3: that splits the binding point, right? It basically says, guess what? You're not going to bind here. I'm caffeine. I'm I'm waking this person back up, which I thought was fascinating. I mean, we know... I mean, obviously we know that caffeine perks us up, but to know that it works that specifically.
1: And in these experiments, they were able to activate adenosine receptors in sufficient enough manner to induce this hibernative state in these arctic ground squirrels during their hibernation season. A small experiment in some senses, you know, they're not mm-hmm. certainly not the same as, say, oh, we put a human into hibernative state. In this case, we took the ground squirrel and we were able to induce... Hibernation, And it's actually rather big. I mean, it's one of the steps that could conceivably lead us to being able to create this effect in humans.
3: Right. Uh, another really good example is, I, I keep thinking of it as pet cemetery, I have to say, <laughs> the zombie dogs.
1: Oh, yes, yes.
3: This is from the Safar Center for Resuscitation Research at the University of Pittsburgh. They put dogs in a state of suspended animation by flushing out their bodies of blood, taking out their blood, and replacing it with 45-degree Fahrenheit saline solution that contained oxygen and glucose. The dogs went into cardiac arrest, and they clinically died, right? After three hours, the team withdrew the solution so they they reversed this process they reintroduced the blood and then applied a gentle electric shock and voila the dogs were raised from the dead
1: yeah there was a a similar experiment that was conducted by a surgeon at the massachusetts general hospital in boston a guy by the name of hassan alam and he tested the technique about 200 times on pigs with a 90 percent success rate and it basically involved putting the animal under draining out some blood. In this case he used cuts and major veins to stimulate multiple gunshot wounds. So yeah, he was yeah. he was trying to create the situation of fatal or life-threatening injury. Mm-hmm. And then as the pig rapidly loses about half its blood and enters a state of shock, Dr. Alam would drain the blood, store it before pumping this chilled organ preservation fluid into its system. Then the animal's temperature falls to about 10 degrees Celsius until it enters this state of profound hypothermia. And then later they're able to put the blood back in and Restore the pig to life.
3: Yeah, and again it's not about terrorizing dogs and pigs. It's, no, no. It's no. about trying to create these trauma situations that might happen in a hospital and giving doctors an alternative in terms of trying to extend the life period and be able to take out all the tools in their arsenal to help that person. And speaking about hypothermia, it just made me think about cell biologist Mark Roth. He has a great TED talk about this, about suspended animation. Mm -hmm. He may be the furthest along, I think, in trauma medicine in terms of, of looking at ways that we can play with Mm -hmm. hibernation he was inspired by a skier in norway who was trapped in an icy waterfall for two hours before she was extracted she had no heartbeat and she was thought to be frozen dead seven hours later still without a heartbeat they brought her back to life and she went on to be the head radiologist at that hospital uh later on roth was always amazed by this and he wondered if there's some agent in our bodies that we make ourselves that we might be able to regulate our own metabolic rate okay so he was like is there some sort of flexibility here that we don't know about that the skier unwittingly tapped into and normally you would say this would be a fool's errand to even try to mess with our metabolic rate in this way but he just kept picking at the problem picking at the problem And he was watching, like, Nova or something one night, and they were talking about hydrogen sulfide. And he had that kind of ding-ding moment where he's like, yes, that's the thing in our body that we actually do produce, albeit in small amounts. And he started to think, could it cause oxygen to not bind, like a kind of game of musical chairs, Mm -hmm. leading to uh, us to not consume that oxygen and then by reducing our demand for oxygen, So he decides to start administering hydrogen sulfide to mice and then, again, put it in the cold environment because he thinks that there's something key to this cold environment that happened with the skier. And indeed, the mice started, stopped moving, appeared dead. Oxygen consumption rate fell by tenfold. Mm -hmm. So, this again, this is really important, right, because we don't want our brains to starve from lack of oxygen. But he says this is the real kicker, that hydrogen sulfide is rapidly metabolized. So, if you were dosed with this, after six hours of deanimation, all you would have to do is be put out into room air and warm up. And you would be, in his words, none the worse for wear. So... In one model of heart attack, animals were given this hydrogen sulfide and they showed a 70% reduction in heart damage compared to those who got the standard of care uh, that you and I were to receive if we were to have a heart attack here today. And the same is true for organ failure. So when you have a loss of function, owing to poor perfusion of kidney or liver, you have damage that suffered. So in 2010, he started human trials. And he says that we're on the path of really understanding this metabolic flexibility and in the not too distant future we could have EMTs actually giving people this hydrogen sulfide and extending the, their lives possibly. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, if you were in an emergency situation, you're being transported, you might be able to be put under in the suspended animation and uh, not have any ill effects to your tissue.
1: Well, the, one of the take-homes here for me is that suspended animation induced human hibernation. It may look easy in some of our sci-fi visions, many of our sci-fi visions, where it's just kind of a plot, something to move the plot around along and somehow make vast distances uh, traversable by humans. You know, it's just a matter of Sigourney Weaver putting on her sexiest underwear and climbing into a pod, right? But, uh, but, But, like, the idea that it wouldn't just be... Sigourney Weaver in sexy underwear it would be Sigourney Weaver in a somniatic state uncomfortably semi-conscious for this long stretch of time you Mm -hmm. know or or the possibility that you would have to take Sigourney Weaver's blood out and put some sort of saline chill solution in there instead so it's a it's it's a less attractive scenario
3: when you're talking about Sigourney Weaver, you're talking about the the Riley character and not Ghostbusters Ripley Ripley Ripley, excuse me
1: that's, I don't... Oh. Don't, Sorry, don't, be, don't
3: rain bullets yeah. upon me okay. with your eyes.
1: Yeah. But, no, no, Ripley in, uh, in Alien.
3: It's yeah. early. I
1: know it is. It is early in the morning. Now there have been uh, some. Other, there are just as many sci-fi visions of induced hibernation that are far more in a sense realistic, but certainly nightmaric. For instance, Dan Abnett had a novel called Xenos. Uh, it was a 40k novel that he did. But there was a situation in that where he he describes a planet that during the course of its orbit it enters a stage where it's just too frigid on the planet for people to live, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, energy consumption wise in terms of the civilization, but also on a personal level. So most of the population goes into a state of hibernation. In this book, it opens with this action scene in which a a villain has woken everyone up prematurely. And so like thousands of people are dying in their hibernation pods because it's such a, a medically tinkered state that if you come out of it without the aid of a physician, you're you're kind of boned. So um, so th- th- that comes to mind. Another title that comes to mind is The Worthing Saga or The Worthing Chronicle by Orson Scott Card, the author of Ender's Game. And this was material that was based on an earlier novel he put out called Hot Sleep. And in this, he has this concept of what they call hot sleep because mm-hmm. the individuals are traveling across vast distances. And to do so, they are put into the state of artificial hibernation by the use of this drug called somic as it turns out though they call it hot sleep because the individual actually undergoes this very uncomfortable like heated sweaty increased temperature situation mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure how that would work science wise but the idea is that the hibernation process is very uncomfortable and lasts for a very long time. So they actually have to wipe your memory before you go into it, store that memory digitally, and then put it back into your head after erasing the trauma of the hot sleep experience. Mm -hmm. If you haven't read those, and certainly if you're a fan of Ender's Game and haven't uh, explored other Orson Scott Card books, I highly recommend The Worthing Saga, because he does all sorts of interesting things with the concept of of somic-induced hibernation. And you have individuals in society who can afford it, who start using this artificial hibernation technology to leapfrog across the centuries Mm -hmm. so they can't actually extend human life but you're only able to live a certain amount of days but you can spread those days out through even century-long periods of artificial hibernation.
3: Well, that's what Mark Roth is pointing to. He is actually saying that suspended animation is tapping into immortality. Yeah. Which is really interesting. And of course, in the way we've described it here, we're talking about hours. But who knows what the promise is in the future for extending that out for days, years, I don't know. And I was actually thinking about Aubrey de Grey again, the oh, bearded yes. one, mm-hmm. who the bio gerontologist. who talks about how the first person to live to be 500 years has already been born and that we can basically maintain ourselves like a good vintage car and we have the technology to do it. If you're going to do that, then, hey, maybe you want to take five years out in your 500 years yeah. of living. Hey, go ahead, suspend animation. You animate me for five years. That's fine. All right. Hope this episode gave you a new view of hibernation and the idea of metabolic flexibility, which may be something we will all add to our resumes one day. You never know. If you want to check out the lifeblood of Stuff to Blow Your Mind, I'm talking about videos, blog entries, and more podcast episodes, make sure to visit StuffToBlowYourMind.com. And if you want to send us a haiku with the two-field wide open, fill in BlowTheMindAtDiscovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City.